Before downloading, consuming, or listening to this podcast, please be advised that there is adult language within this podcast. Those who are offended by adult language should not listen any further. Further to that, all views by our guests are that views by themselves, their opinions. They do not necessarily represent Studio M or the host. Thank you very much. Mood Boards, a design podcast by Studio M. Branding. Interiors, graphics, and the business of design. Coming at you from our Dubai studio. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Mood Boards, a Studio M podcast brought to you by me, Christian Stinson. Shifting gears slightly this week, we're moving to our series of internal podcasts and we're going to drop these in every now and again around our traditional format. Just a chance for you to meet the team, learn a bit about more about us, find out what makes us tick, and our thoughts on design. On this week's episode, we have branding director Neil Baker. We hear about his journey from the UK to Bahrain, back to the UK, across the world with a backpack, and then settling in Dubai, where he finds himself heading up everything to do with branding and graphic design in our studio. It's a really informative podcast. It's quite a bit of fun. We had a bit of a laugh doing it. We hope you enjoy it. There's something in there for fresh graduates as well, where we're sort of giving them tips on how to apply for jobs now that they're graduating, as graduation season is upon us. So yeah, we hope you like it, enjoy, share, comment, let us know, and thanks for the feedback. Enjoy the show. Okay, so welcome to this week's show, where we have Studio M Branding Director and Creative Director, Neil Baker. This is the first of our internal podcasts. We're going to run alongside our usual format, where we bring in guests, just to give you a bit more info into the studio, how we work, what we do, and the people behind the scenes. So, Neil, welcome. Hello. Just give us a general brief introduction, a bit of a history about yourself. Who I am, what I do, where I come from. All that stuff. All All that jazz. Jazz Jazz hands. I am an expat brat, grew up in the Middle East, moved to Bahrain when I was two, went to school in Dubai when I was 16, left, went to college, university, whatever it's called now, in the UK. Where'd you go? I went to Loughborough. Ooh, sports Obviously did that, yeah, sports stuff. No, no. design. <laughs> art college, did the art college. Four years, and then after that, moved to London. What were you studying in Loughborough? Graphic design. What did you get? A first. <laughs> I think I'm the first that. person in the 20 Nobody years cares. that's asked. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked. I know. How devastated is that? Very devastating. You know, you think, get a first, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get my job because I got my first. <laughs> it was exciting. It's what I wanted, but yeah. It was worth nobody the party. Cares. Not nobody cares. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> we are educators of tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, moved to London was quite lucky and got a job quite quickly. Worked for a design studio there, very small, like a senior designer. And so this is talking late 90s, early noughties? Uh, 2002, yes. Early noughties. Early noughties, so... London's old, starting, yes. <laughs> London's starting to boom this at a stage. Graphic design's popping up. Uh, yes. I mean, I don't know that it was a particularly boomy stage, but for me, yes. It was my first intro into living in a big city away from the Middle East. And so did all you go into some of, big agency as a little junior and then do little... Actually, of- before, at university, we got a selection of us got chosen to go and do an exhibition called the for the DNAD, the Designers Young Blood. And with that, you got given internships into some of these big agencies. 
But obviously there's a million people, so none of that, not none of that happened, but you had to really stand out. And I was applying for other jobs at the time and I ended up getting another job. So that kind of fell away. So I went into a small design studio because I preferred much more thrown in the deep end, hands on type stuff. Is that what happened? Yes, very much so. Like pop in Um, the work? Well, use software that I've never used before, get on and create artwork for some new, you know, side of a bus that we were doing. I had no idea. So it was terrifying, but awesome. Because three months later, I was able to do way more than I'd ever learned in the last year of uni, especially. Was it quite a wide range of stuff you were doing in the last days? Or was it well, just, in terms of the project? Yeah. Uh, yeah, anything from... Well, I mean, we do cool shit like album artwork and that kind of stuff. We or were doing album artwork? Yeah, I mean, you have... Every company has sort of the moneymaker big client. We had one that was a techno telecoms communication type thing where you had brand guidelines and you had to follow all that kind of stuff. But annual reports and that yes. kind of boring stuff. And that was cool. I enjoy that kind of stuff because again, that's the kind of thing you don't do in your in uni. Everything you're learning is, ooh, make something cool for you and experimental painting this and blah blah blah. So in that side of respect, that was quite cool and I enjoyed that. But yes, we did a lot of stuff for like snowboarding and ski companies over in France and the Alps. We did album covers. We worked with some of the rugby league teams in London, a one rugby league team in London. London Broncos, as memory yes. serves me correct. Correct. But yeah, anything. And because it was such a small company, I got to do everything. So stuff, even if my project wasn't chosen, I was still working on it. Whereas if you're in a bigger agency, you start making the tea and... Well, we'll come to that shortly because you actually moved into bigger agencies as you went on in life. But are you generally now an advocate for people starting off in a smaller agency? I, yeah. Again, it depends on your personality. It depends what kind of thing you like. Suits some people. Like at uni, I could pick out the people that would go off to these giant agencies and they're still working there now. First job, stay there their whole entire life. And that's what you enjoy. That's what you want to do. But for experience and a range of stuff that you want to try, learn, see what kind of thing, whether it's typography, whether it's photography, whether it's publications, yeah, get your hands dirty and get in there. Yeah, because in a smaller shoe, you're going to have way more exposure. You can't hide, yeah. you yeah. got to just get on with it. Yeah, and you better learn shit fast. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and you got to make mistakes fast, yeah. So you left London, and then, am I right, you took a backpack and thought, hey, let's go? I... Find yourself? <laughs> I don't know that that's ever happened. I knew that I didn't want to stay in the UK. Being an expat, didn't, I knew I didn't want to stay there forever. Was the Middle East home for you? I mean, yes, but I knew that I wanted to see and go other places, cliche as that may be. But the job was still good and they were trying to move me on to doing, you know, different things and eventually run the studio or whatever. And that would have been cool, but it's not what I wanted. Would have removed you from actually designing and more into an admin of design Probably, yeah, probably. And I knew that if I stayed, I would get comfortable and I didn't want that at that time. I must have been 25. So I resigned Packed up, came here for a few months, saved some cash, living with family, and then pampered. went down to yes, you got pampered, got to use the parents' car, you know, all that, <laughs> that hardship, and then moved to Australia for a bit, and then New Zealand for a bit, and travelled and skied and looked for jobs, but half-heartedly. And Were you freelancing? In any? I mean, obviously, the, uh, you know, I, these days computers and stuff weren't what they were. Freelancing websites didn't really exist. I don't even know if laptops exist then. Hold it, on. Uh, yes, it must it have is. done. It yeah. must have done. Facebook didn't exist. I didn't have a smartphone. Oh, so no one knew you were doing awesome shit? 
Oh dear. That's true. No, nobody, exactly. Oh, I wasn't able to how did we brag? take selfies on glaciers. Oh no. Actually, I still did that, but yeah, I, I mean, had to cards. email them to people. <laughs> Sad. Um, yeah, scan this eight megabyte. Exactly. <laughs> Neil sent you an attachment that's 10 meg. Delete. So I did freelance for a bit, but the idea was, after all that was out of my system, was to try and get a job. So you weren't being a little nomad, you were just a nomad. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And, let me get this right, because traveling is a huge part of your life, most of us. But as someone who's really into design and lives and breathes all mm. facets of design, do you, in those days, did you take pictures? Did you collect stuff? Did you get inspi- inspiration from where you I, were? Did you I always, seek out design? Yes. I always try and collect, steal, save, inspire people, things that I you know, can either draw an inspiration for later use but like I said smartphones didn't exist so I couldn't just snap pictures save stuff it was either buy that book that you like buy that magazine rip out that cover sketch it save it take a picture and then email it to yourself that kind of stuff but yeah always I st- yeah, always do that do you I mean now we have Instagram and we have Pinterest <laughs> which is the pin interest pin interest which is the uh, root of all evil for designers do you actually do less of it now than you did in them days Almost because it's so accessible. Uh, I, I did do, but like you say, the, all the evil that is Instagram and Pinterest, which has its place. But no, I've tried to make an effort now to have my own scrapbook, digital scrapbook of stuff, just for my inspiration. In the old days, you would collect business cards and coasters and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, in the old days, people still had business cards and coasters now. You know, things change. It's beer mass. Our, our artwork used to be wicked. Like when Guinness were around in the, you know, doing those awesome You ads. would know. Oh, yeah, I would know, yeah. <laughs> but then it sort of, it's all become sort of quite minimal now and obviously for printing reasons and costs. I think this projects are still there, but yeah. Certain things have died out. Like, like I say, business cards. People still have them, but they're definitely not as... I'd say top of people's design list that they used to be. So yeah, designing cool. Like I used to, like you say, I used to collect awesome print finishes on business cards. People don't really do that anymore. <laughs> Just for expenses. I'm picturing you as in the, yeah, <laughs> as the scene in American Psycho. <laughs> what? Have you seen American Psycho? I have. When he got the business card, he's like, oh my God, it's eggshell. Was it tra- <laughs> <laughs> Fine <laughs> number lettering. Yeah, look at that embossing. <laughs> Not quite. But yeah, people used to do that a lot more. You know, I mean, even our business cards now, we still took time and designed and whatever we want. But you know, you just go a little bit more simple, a little bit maybe budget saving. Right, people just throw it up on uh, Microsoft Word and go to Desco and get a print of anything. Please, God. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Desco at all, but yeah. Or Microsoft, Microsoft Word. Word. No, death to Microsoft Are you know, Word. Word art was the greatest thing for all university essays. What was the, what's the little Clippy thing called? Clippy. Oh, Clippy. Oh, is it Clippy? Yeah. Oh, no. He was a bit of a dick. Yeah, he should die. Yeah, he was. I think he is dead now. I'm pretty sure he's dead. I can't remember the last time we used Microsoft Word. So yeah, Clippy was an asshole. You can take PowerPoint with it. Yeah. And then came back to Dubai after travels or did you go back to London or where did you head next? Um, the idea was to live and work and have an amazing life in Australia and New Zealand. But as all things change, when I was here, I was working for ITP, just designing a magazine. Was you saving cash? When I was saving cash and being for your trip. Yes, for my trip. So basically um, a stopgap, ITP. Yeah. And so they, when I was sort of running out of money randomly, they'd messaged me and said, look, we're restructuring. We're going to start launching new stuff. Would you be interested in coming back? We thought maybe you could be involved in X, Y, Z, whatever it was. 
So I thought about it and thought, yeah, why not? So I I did come back, but went round, like complete round. I went to America and Canada, back to the UK, through Europe, and then back here just to get it out of my system. You couldn't have been and, running out of cash that much. Yeah, <laughs> staying with friends, staying with family, shut up. Um, There's no Airbnb there. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> did you ever hit check? No, I don't believe I did. No. No. That. No, that's that's, that's, that's too you. crazy for me. Yeah. <laughs> so you worked your way back here into ITP, which is effectively a publishing house, which is essentially, for me, it's weird picturing you there because of your love for creativity. That's kind of... Ooh. I know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is like going to ITP, to publishing house, initially I would think it would be quite sort of print media, be quite boring, but to the contrary. Again, depends what you like. When we... When I went there and we started, there was the business side and the consumer side. Obviously, everyone knows the the halfers and the timeouts and whatever. We were on the business side, launching commercial interior design, all those kind of B two B mags. There were three of them when I started. When I left three years later, we were on I think thirty four or thirty five mags. Whoa! So, so you're just like thirty two, something like that. Wow. Not yeah. Me and my team yeah. were responsible for launching all of those titles back in the day. Some of which still exist. Some went by the wayside in the the downturn. But you know, you get to create the whole look and style all the way down from the masthead down to the fonts, all that kind of stuff. I love all that kind of thing. You know, you have complete control to create a voice for whatever industry you're talking about. So I have to ask, what was the most boring magazine that ever came across? You say this. There was one called, I don't even know what it was, Plant, uh, PMV, Plant Machinery Vehicles, (laughs) which sounds as boring as you come. But for the first issue, I got to drive a JCB over a whole load of rubbish, garbage, whatever, trash, uh, and you know, to get the photo sent. I mean, <laughs> who could do that? That's so cool. So again, it's only as boring as you make it. We got to do, in terms of visually, it was quite bold and a bit, you know, we got to decide on the style of photography, working with the photography team saying, okay, look, it's a boring ass freaking machine. How can we make it cooler? without throwing a whole load of Kardashians on it or something. So <laughs> crushed off. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that. I enjoyed that. I'm still picturing a load of Kardashians on a JCB in the middle of I'm the sure it's dump. been done. I'm sure they're selling it somewhere. I'm sure they would do it yeah. for, any, for a bit of cash. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so the, this whole period in your life was sort of mid to late noughties. Uh, yes, I left in 2008, I think. Seven or eight. So I came back. You actually met your wife there. I came back in 2005 and worked, yeah, for three years. And yes, met my now wife there, designing her magazine. She's words and pictures. (laughs) Which is still life. Which is still life. That should should go on the celebration cake. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) So yeah. uh, And then when I left there, I knew the end goal was I wanted to start up my own thing or work for myself or with people hence where I am now but I wanted after having three years of publishing experience I wanted to go back into sort of more of an agency just to see what was new see what would change get back into that kind of thing so I went and joined a design agency in Dubai which was North 55 it was four or five designers account handlers where people you know that much but much more branding and design related as opposed to magazines. It was quite a young crew back then as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, randomly, the North 55 team, when I was at university, I used to come back and speak to them about, what should my portfolio be like? Would you hire me if I was, you know? So I've known them. They've been family friends for a while. Well, of my dad anyway. So ending up back there was pretty cool to sort of go full circle from being a, a, a holiday intern to actually working there. Any cool shit you did when you were there? I do tons of cool shit. Working with hotels, working with Emirates, working with... Like small, tiny companies launching new cafes and restaurants and, and whatever, all the way up to massive chains like Royal Mirage, like Emirates, like I said. Have you ever, or say Emirates, have you ever designed the outside of an airplane? No, I would love to do that. <sighs> and it's really bespoke as well. There's like one team, or one company in Portugal, I think it is, that pretty much does, again, facts check, that does everybody. <laughs> fact check or yeah. Donald Trump. I say this, my wife says this all the time. She's like, is this actually true? I tend to make stuff up. But <laughs> it's very niche, but that would be very cool to do, yeah. Yeah, I remember you, you used to do a lot of hotel works, and hotel is like awesome kind of portfolio stuff. Because you imagine you've got everything from the restaurants to the actual hotel to the towels to the toiletries to, you know, it can, gift yeah. cards it can and, be huge like yeah. especially if you're either rebranding like North 55 guys like totally revamped well they've always worked with Royal Mirage but they've totally changed their whole look and feel to this to what it is now so yeah naming new restaurants branding all of that the whole look and feel of what all their paper should be for the room service menu I mean everything yeah it's epic it's pretty cool Just on that when you talk about revamping a brand what do you think the life cycle of a brand is or you know is it good question that's quite a difficult one but, but it's a, yeah again depends on the brand depends where you are depends on on the direction I guess it wants to go I mean I would say that it should always always evolve it should never be like this and then 10 years later be like oh we should change this now it should always be alive and evolve so but I don't know five or six years maybe yeah because I mean, I say that the typical life cycle of an interior in a restaurant here would be three to five years. I'd say it was pretty similar. Again, it's again, it depends what you mean. A lot of people think, "Oh, does that mean you have to change their logo every three to five years?" No, but in terms of how you use that logo or how it's you know tweaked and placed and whether it's digital, all that kind of stuff, yeah, um, it, it's got to be more evolving than stagnant. Well, we're seeing it now. I mean, have you seen the recent, there's this really cool graphic online of how all these big companies, Yves Saint Laurent, and I can't believe that's the only one I'm going to remember. That's <laughs> yeah. your favorite one. <laughs> only because they dropped Eve. True. And became Saint Laurent. And they're all losing the logo, the Gobo. And yes. they're all just going straight now font. Like Chanel, I've dropped their CC. There's just Chanel now. You know, everything's going more sort of minimalistic and font wise. This is the conversation I have with a lot of people when we start a new project. They're like, oh, I want to be timeless and classic like Chanel and like Saint Laurent or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yes, true. But how many hundreds of years has that taken to get there? And uh, I don't think people understand that kind of. I think, I think people don't understand these brands are built over a period of time. Yeah, exactly. So if you go back and look at some of the logos, like Fila and stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, they're horrific in the oldest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's so subjective, which is part of what I love about it, but also part of what I hate, dare I say that, about the whole topic is that, yeah, at the end of the day, it's if you're designing a logo for a person or a company, they 
want a certain thing and you can't get away from that. Yes, you've got all the criteria. If I want X, Y, Z, it's got to appeal to whoever. But it comes down to whether you love it or not, whether you feel something for that. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but a lot of people think because those big brands exist, this is what I want to look at, this is the end goal. They're not thinking, yeah, exactly how long it's taken and how much evolution it's taken to get there. People do come to you and go, I want to look like this. Like, All well. the time. All the time. I want to be different uh, and unique, but I want to look like Google yeah. or whatever. Or Apple. Yeah. yeah. But does that hinder you then? Would you rather just come to you with nothing? Uh, it depends. Each person can be different. Some people will be very mindset, this is exactly what I want. And you can dance around the subject and eventually you end up giving them what they want. That's quite rare, but a lot of people will think they know what they want, as I'm sure you guys and totally are on board with in terms of the interiors as well. But until you show them what they don't want, they don't realize what they don't want. Is yeah. that what I mean? You need to show them what they, yeah. they need to show them something they don't want so they know it. They think they want to yeah. be Chanel, but they're not. It's amazing how many times people tell you what they want, you do what they, and then they go, ooh, that looks shit. Like, we did tell you. shocking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, what a surprise. Yeah, we, we explained to you, like when you showed us the Pinterest board that, you know, several of these elements are fantastic, but you put them all together, it's going to be a hodgepodge. No, 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 Let, let's see it. And then you show it to them, they're like, oh, it's really shit. I'm like, yeah, no, we, we told you that. <laughs> but then it gets out of the system. And then they sort of withdraw and go, okay, look, just you do it. Yeah, you actually do what you're paid to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, sometimes that happens and sometimes you, you have to deal with that. That's part of the process. I've always said that there are two or three types of designers. One is a precious little princess that sits over here going, this is exactly what it should be. Don't talk to me. This is how I see it. The other one on the other end of the scale is that you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And... I've always thought of myself, but always thought that the best kind of option should be, yes, you are the professional. Yes, you should lead it. But at the end of the day, it's their brand. It's their product. It's their money. It's their money. You know, you have to... So you sit in between the two? Lead them. I'd like to think so. And I'm sure everybody would like to think so, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I think the uh, the way things are going with, obviously, people spending their own money and looking and the way... Inspiration's now open towards more people. The princess side of things is going to struggle yes. in the future because the client is more educated now than ever. I, yeah, I, well, I think, like you say, the pe- especially the way that industries are going at the moment, where there's a lot more smaller self-startup doing their things as opposed to big chains, big giant companies coming in looking for branding, interiors, whatever. Obviously, they're going to be more interested and invested, so they're going to want to have more of a say. And that's like I said, that's totally fine. That's what it, it's their product. It's their thingy. They're using me as a as a tool, I suppose. No, that <laughs> is what you would call me. <laughs> but you, it's it's a way of you, you. You've got to work out who your client is and help them through that process. Like, but here's the thing: we say big businesses, big branding firms. Mm-hmm. The definition of branding is what to you exactly? Because the more I, you know, I see these big firm reports and these big firm articles, the context of branding has gone like, as a layman, it was always sort of a look, feel, attitude, 
you know, yeah. the logo and the sort of voice, personality, yeah, exactly. how transparent. Now they're going into three, four hundred page dossiers of what a brand, you know, what, what the antithesis of a brand is and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are we going too far sometimes? I like, can't. your idea for a sandwich shop is what? <laughs> I don't want to tell everybody. Just <laughs> steal it. What, just a fucking sandwich? Yeah. Yeah, at the end, but, but yeah. Using that as an example, if we want to open it, it's just a fucking sandwich. It's more like, it's just a brand. <laughs> but that, yeah, but that is true. But then that's my whole, that kind of honest design I'm really into at the moment where just say what it is. It's just a fucking sandwich. Or you're just a coffee shop. You're just a, I don't know, taxi yeah. company, whatever. And I think that kind of, honesty and simplicity does resonate with a lot of people. But in terms of going back to your million page document of how this, do I see any need for it? Yeah. In some, you know, I've worked on brands like that, like some of these Abu Dhabi government brands where yes, you have to have those rules. You have to have those regulations because the brand is so massive and they use it across things, but it's just a fucking sandwich. (sighs) You know, who, who really cares? Make it cool, sell a cool product, have a cool personality and whatever. You know, there's your brand. It depends on who... I think the thing is, the brand is more than just the logo. It's, for you, it is mainly, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. But then, again, like you say, what is, the brand, what is branding now? Yes, it can be that old school, this is your font, this is your logo, this is your colors, this is your guidelines, this is how you use it in English, Arabic, whatever. But I would say, like, for us at Studio M, our brand is us and you and Emma and whatever, you know, and that's something you can't put in a document and your tone of voice and, you know, the cool crap you do on blogs and, you know, that kind of stuff that I think a lot more, especially of the smaller people, not small people, but, you know. Well, the smaller agencies, yeah. Yeah, are doing a lot more of and trying to push people into. Makes you stand out. Yeah, I just think we're not hindered by uh, corporate governance. <laughs> yeah. You nope. know, so we speak from the heart and we are what we are and we don't apologize for it. <laughs> you don't. Well, I don't. Yeah, Emma probably apologizes for me. Um, on a daily by basis. By the by. On a daily basis. But are you much happier at this format now in terms of creating brands at this level as opposed to when you were at the sort of highly corporate level? Difficult question. I like both. I like sometimes doing that kind of starting off and creating all these kind of rules and all these regulations again it depends on the personality of the designer I like doing that kind of stuff as well but then yeah having more freedom to to do whatever you want and be a little bit more it's just a fucking sandwich is cool too I know that's not an answer but I've always for me I've always liked being able to play in all of those kind of sectors which is probably why sitting in one big industry and one big agency wouldn't work for me don't know Okay. It's now graduation season. It is. We've spoke about your first and your movement from university and what spoke about it. But yes. I didn't bring it up. I had to bring it up because the world needs to know that Neil Baker got it first. Because <laughs> no one's ever asked him in a single interview. Yes, it's on my business card. <laughs> Please. It is award season. We're getting a lot of CVs and you're in charge of hiring creative in yes. this office. What are the pitfalls that these students need to avoid? Because, I mean, we're seeing, we're getting... 10, 15 CVs a day and we're opening two or three for one or two reasons. And, you know, the first being never, ever send a CV in PowerPoint 
or word <laughs> exactly. if you're a creative designer. I think, again, having been through all this, my advice would be that you're trying to overanalyze and try to overthink what will make me stand out. So people either go totally crazy and make something that's ridiculous or they don't care enough and yeah, just think, I'm just going to get my details in a Word document. For us, you and I especially, if it comes in Word, I don't even open it. No, it just gets deleted straight away. If it comes in PowerPoint, same thing. If it's 300 pages long, I mean, I just, I don't have time. That sounds really grumpy was, and negative, speaking of, but of I coming just in Word and coming in PowerPoint and stuff, right? I'm also struggling with people sending digital links to the portfolio because I'm like, I can't be bothered. <laughs> like if it's on issue or Behance or like I, I, I just want to open the email open the attachment and click on yeah true I think because it takes so long to load or for instance Behance is very good but you have to navigate through it and I don't have time because that takes you from being yeah. one minute to open a PDF mm-hmm. and reviewing it mm-hmm. to seven minutes exactly again depending on the job depending on the person depending on whatever research find out who they are try and fit in if fit into that personality so yeah send a one page pdf a couple of pictures of what your work is about and maybe a link to your website and just just be yeah just be honest and normal yeah because we do read a lot of these cvs now from youngsters and they're very intelligent good kids but in a case of they're written so formally and so scared structured to, and to, to say what they actually think because that's exactly what i did yeah you get scared and think, oh, I don't know. I have no idea about being in a corporate world or working for an agency. This is what they want me to say. I need to be unbelievably professional. Blah, blah, blah. List everything I've ever done, every program I've ever used, every font I've ever touched. Eh, chill. Just be yourself. That sounds ridiculous, but yes. But you, got, you do gravitate more towards it. Yeah, totally. Don't get me wrong. I don't want them going, hey, what's up, Neil? Heard <laughs> <laughs> your podcast, homie. You'd love that. I think, uh, again, r- <laughs> depending on who you are as a designer, the personality of you as an individual, look for those kind of agencies or studios or publishing houses or whatever that that resonate with that and apply to them. And then just be normal because they're going to want to have those kind of people as well. If you want to work in some big-ass fancy corporate office, cool, there's tons of those as well. If you want to work somewhere more chilled and, and you know, and, and Christian, then, you know, design your portfolio and stuff towards that yeah so act accordingly to basically it's the law of attraction act accordingly to the job you want to attract it is yeah the whole process is scary and you're not going to get away from that but just it does, it's going to take time for students exactly they might have to do three portfolios you don't even know who you, yeah. industries, a lot it? of people you won't know the type of design you want to be anyway and you may end up working somewhere that you didn't think you wanted to and then you actually end up loving it and becoming something totally different I mean just chill out Talk to everybody, be yourself and apply. Awesome advice. Okay. Let's go back to interior. So you're now with Studio M. We've been going for two years together now. I think so. Yeah, we've been friends for a long time, just for general sort of background on that. I think we met on Twitter. In yeah, fact, you we did, to me. We met on Twitter. So I can always trace our friendship back to when Twitter was founded because we were probably the first ones on in the Middle East. That's been like 2009. Uh, I think That's it was it? earlier. I think it was earlier. I was working at North 55, that's yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and you just got engaged. Yes. How'd you just, yeah, you just got engaged. Oh, that was 2008 then. Yeah. 
Jeez. Jeepers, oh. Um, <coughs> yes, with Twitter was oh my cool. God, 11 years I've been. I knew, and then I deleted mine, which I regret now because it had like 7,000 followers or something. Did you delete it? I deleted it, yeah. I just didn't you know. Just shut it down. No, I didn't know you could do that. You so twitched suicide. I suicided. And then I tried to start a Twitter up recently, and I have like 300 tweets and 12 followers. I'm like, <laughs> no, I used to be cool. <laughs> At Christian underscore Dubai for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even follow you. I didn't even no, know. No, you don't even thing. follow me. No. <laughs> like, he's sending you stuff and you don't answer. And I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, my, my aim for Studio M was always to get in house branding just to complement the interiors. And I think it's been working brilliantly so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think in this market and in this industry to be a full in house, there's a lot of like design firms who say, oh, we do branding. And they freelance it and stuff. And we used to do it. We were guilty of that. But now I see the... Yeah, to me. Uh, yeah, to you. <laughs> but now actually when I see the payoff and it is worth it having a full service agency. Because uh, we, we have clients yes. independent of each other and we've got clients yeah, that are yeah. joined. Yeah, yeah, totally. But like you say, I think having a one-stop shop... I hate that phrase. What could be the new phrase? Why is it a one-stop shop? Oh, God, I have no idea. You're better with words. Mm, yeah, I need to work something out for that. Because I always say one-stop shop, and I hear it too. It, it, just sounds, yeah, like a, it, it sounds like a brothel. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say a petrol supermarket. Oh, does it? Okay, brothel. yeah, brothel. Yeah. Guess where my head's at today. <laughs> Clearly, I every day. I think I think they work, yeah, if, you're, if somebody comes to us and they want a new coffee shop, they want a new cafe or whatever, I think it can only be beneficial to have the two sides working together from the start, coming up with, you know, even if we're coming up with names, coming up with the logos before the branding team starts on that kind of stuff, then, you know, how can that be bad? Yeah, because we feed off you as well. I mean, it's good if we show you interiors and you go, yeah, that's kind of cool, but have you thought of this? Yeah, exactly. Or we've got this really cool wall, Neil, can we do a graphic? Um, I just feel it leads to a more cohesive process. Yeah. If the two of them are speaking to each other. Yeah, everybody's on board, everybody knows what, well, supposedly what everybody's thinking. Like even when you guys do mood boards, your kind of stuff impacts on what I'm thinking about in terms of typography and color scheme and all that kind of thing. So so when it comes to the branding, do you prefer you know, when the interior design leads the project or when the branding is created first by you? I always assumed, maybe arrogantly, that the branding would come first. Whether it's because people come to you with the name or a concept or you help work out the name first, so it leads that way. But I've been surprised that, not surprised, but it's kind of been 50-50. And I quite like doing it the other way around in seeing what Emma and Nikki and Jasmine are doing in terms of sample boards, in terms of mood boards. It gives it a different kind of direction. And then working together in terms of, okay, how can the typography or if we're doing any illustration or photographs or I don't know, even iconography, how that fits in to your designs and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when it's under one roof, I don't really care which way it goes. I have, I've sometimes I've had it where we've had a brand given to us that someone else interpreted the brief and it's completely different to how I interpret yeah. it and then I'm stuck and I'm going, ooh. It's difficult because obviously, like we said earlier, it's so subjective and one designer will do one thing that the client could love, but another design can do it and that the client could also love. But with us all working together, we at least know that, well, hopefully, that we're all going to be kind of on the same page and we're all going to like and design something that we're proud of that 
we can all work off. Whereas, like you say, some external designer, whether it's interior or thing, comes to you and goes, here's some neon luminous thing that you were thinking it was going to be much more so, muted tone. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, whoa, that's totally whoa. not what I was thinking. It has happened, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> name names. Thank you, and shame. All right, cool. So we've got really sort of good feedback what you're doing now, how you're helping the studio. Gotta ask, pet peeves as a designer. <laughs> are we overbranding sometimes now, especially <laughs> in some industries? Are we overbranding the interior? Do you have an example in mind? No. No. No, yeah, I do. But, you know, I just see on your desk, sometimes I see samples for napkin branding, you know, toothpick branding, cup brand. Like, well, I get it, right? But I sometimes think when you're in the restaurant, you're in the restaurant. We don't need to overbrand it. That is definitely a pet peeve where people think by applying the brand or the logo or the color or whatever to everything will therefore make it more successful. And I think that, again, depending on what the concept is, maybe that you know becomes part of the concept and is quite cool. But I'd say nine times out of 10, yeah, like you said, if say you're talking about a restaurant, I'm already sitting in the restaurant. I don't need to have the name emblazoned all over the menu when I'm sitting here. I've chosen to come here. I know that kind of stuff. It's just that kind of thought process. But other pet peeves... <sighs> Apart from, I the, think, apart from <laughs> the usual stuff where it's like, make it pop, <laughs> make it bigger. I think a lot of people now, probably due to Instagram and pin interest, which I realize that's not how you say it, um, think that they, I know they do it with interior design as well, but because graphic design, anyone can download that program or you know get a web version of Photoshop, thinks that they are a designer and thinks they can do it quicker and better. That is annoying, but you know that's just the nature of the business, I guess. Other things, ah, timelines, time <laughs> yeah, timelines. Thinking that things can be done in pull a logo out of your ass ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. It just won't be what you want. Um, it was always that great video, wasn't it? When someone, the designer, had ten minutes, then three minutes. Yes, and, like, yeah, it was well, awesome. Totally, exactly. Uh, Sometimes you need. X amount of time to get thing, all that. Would you rather be paid less and have more time or paid more and have less time? Um, I don't want to be paid more <laughs> to have more time. <laughs> but time's ultimately the most important thing to you when it creates a brand rather than... Yeah, but like with anybody in any job, sometimes things just click and come quickly and sometimes you have to really, really work at it and research and do a whole lot of development on it. it again, I keep saying this, it just depends on on, on what the project is okay well before we close up let's find out now any really cool websites young designers should visit for inspiration that you're using Pinterest shut up about Pinterest definitely don't use Pinterest <laughs> design boom what's wrong with Pinterest I like design boom uh, where should you go to apart from typography.com I don't even know if that's a website it is a website but it's just a buy font is it or Dafont. Um, Dafont. <laughs> I do love Dafont. Um, I always go to, yeah, Design Boom is pretty cool. And Dialine is still, even though it's supposed to be packaging, their stuff's pretty cool. I think I'm not going on about Pinterest because it is garbage. But the thing I like about those kind of sites is that it's just such a wide range of, and same with Behance, but it's just, I like to look at a ton of different stuff. So, 
Yeah, I do. Whenever we do our mood boards for branding, we do actually a end up going through 50 or 60 images and then yeah. whereas for interiors we well, that's why I create my own less. now yeah. and I just go to those as inspiration as opposed to having to trawl through tons of stuff but in terms of websites and blogs yeah I mean always create a review design week uh, die line those are my sort of data yeah definitely so you have the book there from before where can people find you online Bakerlicious still or Nilo Bakes? Which one are we using? Uh, Nilo Bakes is on Instagram. So N E I L O B A K E S. Yes. Or Studio M. Studio at Studio underscore E M. Yes. And Twitter will be for personal use only. So if you can track him down, good luck to you. Um, he won't respond. I don't to use you. To, no, I don't usually use Twitter no, anymore. I, I mainly use it to troll Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen you, about I've it. Seen, <laughs> I've seen you been trolling him quite yes. a lot recently. <laughs> Because he's a dick. <laughs> All thoughts are our guest <laughs> only, and not necessarily reflect those of Studio M. Um, but it's hard to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we talk about that for another time. So, all right, listen. This is a really cool introduction into the studio life and into what you do. I think we'll do a few more series on internal discussions. Just yeah, yeah, maybe more topic specific rather than... Yeah, yeah, I think I'd love to cover our next podcast with you and possibly Nicola or Jasmine. We need to cover the sustainability aspect yeah. in terms of packaging design. Just last week, we had the podcast with Ian Owan from Freedom Pizza. Check it out online. And we talked about he's created compostable packaging, which is incredible. Yeah. So we need to think of something else we need to touch on about how designers and we... You know, either front line of having an impact on the environment and what we create. Yeah. So that'd be a really cool podcast. Guys, any other ideas for podcasts that you want to get us or topics you want us to cover? Drop us a line, uh, leave a review, leave a comment, and we'll get to it. But for now, Neil, thank you very much. Thank you. Time for us to go back to work and unplug oh. that bloody phone yes. um, <laughs> and do our day jobs until next week guys thank you very much for tuning in remember to give like subscribe review and if you don't like it keep it to yourself we're fragile all the best bye bye